Thanks for joining us for this episode of Coffee with Closers, where business leaders share insights on how to build businesses from the ground up and best practices for innovating in their industry. And Trish, I'm super excited to have you join me for this episode of Coffee with Closers. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I've been a super fan and I have the book to prove it. That's correct. Awesome. You know, that never gets old. Seeing that book cover never gets old. That is so true. Well, you're an entrepreneur, author, speaker, sales trainer, you name it, you are. And you've accomplished a lot in your career. So of all the things you've accomplished, what would you say the one thing that you're super proud of? My son. I know the book is book is dedicated to him. Definitely my son. I also think I'm I'm proud of having built a services business that has lasted 22 years in the tech space. I mean that's pretty much unheard of. So yeah, that is that we is came, impressive. we saw, we conquered. That is impressive. Obviously, you're solving a problem that is a, a perpetual problem. I suppose that's why it, it never goes old. Well, it it's definitely evolved and iterated many times over uh, through the last couple decades, but definitely we were ahead of the curve with virtual selling because we were always focused on sales development, inside sales, using phone web, and then social media. So we were a little bit ahead of the curve. That definitely gave us a leg up, but we're like share. We're going to be around forever. <laughs> That's for sure. So what is the why? What keeps you motivated and keeps you going every day? learning. Like I just, right before this call, I just did a brainstorming session with the gentleman that I actually met on LinkedIn because he had responded to one of my posts where I was talking about bringing back team selling as a strategy. So a number of people responded to that post and I've spent the last couple of weeks interviewing them and it's fascinating. You know, that's how I learn is by talking to practitioners in the field. So I would say I probably do I don't know, four sales calls a day, mm-hmm. each and every single one of those, I walk away having learned something. So I think that's what keeps me motivated is the fact that there's so much to learn and you're just never done. Yeah, and you're obviously talking to the guys in the field, practicing what you're teaching and you're getting their feedback so you're able to improve or change the strategy as, as needed. Yeah, to some extent. I mean, we're not you know, 100% a training company, so, I think more than just talking to people, the fact that I still sell every single day, um, that I do minimum hour, hopefully two of outbound selling every single day, you gotta keep your hand in the game mm-hmm. to know what's going on out there. And it's the favorite part of my day. I'm one of those crazy people that loves outbound. <laughs> I love it. Makes sense. How did the transition happen for you? I know you were a sales leader prior to starting your own company, Bridge Group. How did that transition happen for you? So I was the VP of sales and an equity partner and an outsourcing company called Telesales Inc. We were actually the inside sales teams for tech companies. Um, and so my job was working with the CROs and closing the deals. And I, and I kept seeing the same problem in that the CROs would be like, yeah, let's just hire some young, hungry reps, have them pound the phone. And they thought revenue would shoot out the other end. And I'm like, people, this is strategic. Mm -hmm. You need to treat it as strategic, just like you would 
building any other channel, whether it's field or channel or partner program or, or anything, it's strategic. So I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to build a practice around teaching people that it is strategic and why and how to do it. And if it doesn't work, I'll just go get another job. Mm-hmm. But it worked. How has your entrepreneurial journey been since then? I know it's 22 years of building this company. Well, I'm tired. <laughs> I mean, we're, it's crazy. I mean, especially you're, I mean, we're talking now in the days of COVID, right? It's, you know, I went through two recessions, you know, 2008, and I forget when the other one was, survived those, surviving COVID. I mean, being an entrepreneur, you have to learn how to pivot. And I think, Myself and my team help our clients be incredibly agile at pivoting, whether it's their message, their solution, their strategy. And we have to do that for ourselves. And I think we've become very adept at it. Mm -hmm. And obviously between writing your book and and doing speaking engagement and and running this company, you've talked to hundreds of businesses and seen a lot of things that they tried and and what worked and what hasn't worked. What surprises you the most about the findings? Uh, from having worked with a lot of different tech companies and helping them with their sales strategies? Well, this doesn't surprise me anymore. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you that a commonality we find is quite often when people bring us in to look at their sales development organization, they're like, sales development's not working. You've got to come in. You've got to look at it. And in actuality, they are looking at the wrong end of the donkey they really need to look at their AE organization because a lot of salespeople have never been trained in how to launch the sales process off an introductory meeting. And so that's where we see the biggest point of pipeline leakage is in that mishandled discovery call. So to me, it's not surprising. It's a commonality and it's something we all need to be aware of. So explain to that, that to me a little bit because I know everyone is trying to do the same strategy that you're, you know, you've been teaching, right? The specialization of SDRs booking meeting, AEs take on and run with it. Um, but what is happening there is that transition of to the discovery call itself is is not conducted properly, or is just that how they were handled? You know, the hand, the lead was handed from the SDR. It might be the transition. I mean, there's you know many facets to what could go wrong like maybe expectations weren't set with the AE with the with the prospect maybe there was no agenda set maybe the AE didn't prepare they just showed up maybe the AE asked the same questions the SDR already asked maybe there was no vision creation they're like oh they don't have any money they don't have a budget they don't have a project i'm moving on well like your job is to create that sense of urgency so there's a a lot of ways that that process can break and a lot of ways it usually does yeah which you touched on a big thing right especially the urgency aspect of it especially when you're doing outbound sales you're waking up a prospect who isn't actively in the market looking to buy anything and then you just say hey you you have this problem i have a solution buy now then they're like well i'm doing it i'm happy with the status quo how do you go about creating that urgency? What what are some of the specific tactics that works well? It's going to be very dependent upon the market, the buyer, our solution or anyone's solution, um, whether you're a vitamin or an aspirin. There's like so many variables 
um, that come into play when it, when you talk about creating urgency that I think you have to look at how to do that with great specificity before you can build a process. Makes sense. And I think it's, it, ha it also has a lot to do with um, kind of the approach, right? Who, who, you, who you reached out to in the first place and do they even have the, the, the power to even make those decisions, uh, which can- Yes and no. Yes and no. You know, we're not always gonna start with the decision maker, right? So I think when you're looking at selling to an account, you have to look at the different buyer personas and the roles they play and tell them each a different story that resonates with them. Mm -hmm. So it's not about just getting to the decision maker and convincing them. There are a lot of yeses mm -hmm. on the way to the big yes, and you can get derailed by just one little tiny no. So I think you have to look at the account holistically and then build your process. Understood. What are some, obviously you've heard a lot of advices people giving you about sales. What are some bad advices you hear commonly that you're like, man, this is just a, a horrible recommendation? I don't, I don't pay attention to bad advice, so I, I don't know. There's a ton of it. There's a ton of it on LinkedIn. There's a ton of it on social. I don't pay attention to it. <laughs> you, you built a, a company around you know organizations helping organization build you know, sales teams and sales strategies. Um, from your experience of working with entrepreneurs and business leaders, right? What have you seen work really well to, to kind of overcome this anemic pipeline some of these companies suffer? There's a million variables. Mm -hmm. here's, here's one thing I see for bad advice. Someone asks a question like you just asked and someone gives them the answer. I'm like, wait a minute. Like you just gave them your framework for success they're in a different market, sell to different buyers. They're in a different price point. They're a different evolution in their company. Whoa, that was horrible. That I see happen a lot, and that is bad advice. So, so basically yeah. what you're saying in terms of, uh, from a big picture standpoint, you have to think about, okay, you need to have a proactive outbound strategy to make sure that you're you know, going into their accounts, waking, you know, finding those accounts, getting in the door booking appointments, those are the big picture stuff you need to focus on. And then on a, on a case by cases, solve for, hey, where is the blockage? How do I solve for this particular client or this particular um, business? Not a one size fits all strategy. I have a sign over there, it says, hashtag variables matter. That is the uh, theme song of my life, right? You know, not everybody needs outbound. If you're selling a commodity product, low price point, high volume transactions, you don't need outbound. If your you know, average deal size is under 25K, you probably don't need outbound. If you're selling into the SMB, you know, one of the things we talk to people about now is do you even need sales development? Maybe not. I mean, variables matter. Mm -hmm. So you have this school, two school of thought, and I know you have a massive following on LinkedIn, over 250,000 followers. You've built a very big community around you, right? And you have this, you know, this entire uh, team of people that are saying, hey, you need to do social selling, be active, be a subject matter expert, be a guru. And then the other side they man, just go focus on prospecting and that, that's all you need to do. What is a fine balance uh, that you, you would say that, hey, this is what you should do in terms of kind of the best practice uh, from a social selling standpoint? Do you have the passion for it? And do you have the skills to pull it off? Mm -hmm. Like if you look, like if you look at the Bridge Group, my firm, you don't see any of my team members on social. They don't like it. They don't enjoy it. They don't have the passion for it. 
They don't want to engage that way. They're busy doing the things they're passionate about. So you can't look at your team of SDRs and AEs and say, you have to go become a subject matter expert. Well, not everybody wants to become a subject matter expert. Not everybody cares about building a personal brand, thank God. You know, not everyone has the ability to write well or be creative or be interesting outside of, you know, their normal course of business. So I think if you are blessed enough that you hire people that have the ability to do that, then absolutely foster it. But if someone doesn't want to do it, don't force them. So I know in your book, you know, the sales development playbook, you talk a little bit about the importance of specialization, right? And we touched on earlier, the SDR and the AE. The tech companies really have figured that out and they do a great job in scaling with that sort of a model. Uh, but in that model, AEs don't technically prospect, right? That they don't necessarily don't do that. Is, is now that that's not true. Mm -hmm. That is not true. Okay. Our research shows that only 55% of an AE in SaaS of an AE pipeline comes from marketing and sales development. Well, you better figure out a way to go get that other 45%. So yeah, AEs still have to prospect. They might not like it, but they need to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the that's the part, right? Most of these AEs are just got used to getting meeting booked to their calendar. They're super comfortable there and they don't really enjoy the part of going and knocking on other people by calling and messaging them on LinkedIn. Yeah, some do, some don't, and I'll bet the top performers do. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, ABM is a hot topic and you kind of rephrase the term, you call it the ABR, uh, account-based revenue. Uh, what's your perspective? Obviously, I know this is a, a big topic that is, is talked about all the time on LinkedIn and everywhere you turn. Uh, from your perspective, um, the, the way that you defined it as ABR, can you elaborate on that a little bit? So ABM, came out of nowhere, took off like a bottle rocket, and then <laughs> I'm not seeing much anymore. Mm -hmm. At its core, ABM, or we call it account-based revenue, because it's, and I call it account-based revenue because it's when sales and marketing are both focused on revenue. It's not just about marketing. But at its core, what it was supposed to be was an incredibly well-thought-out, personalized, well-orchestrated effort to engage with very well-defined and selected accounts using all the company resources, mm -hmm. executives, marketing, AEs, SDRs, you name it, everyone, everyone, well-orchestrated, well-coordinated, on point, on message, we're gonna get into this account. Mm -hmm. In reality, what has happened is that people say, oh yeah, I'm doing ABM. I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, well, you know, we define a set of target accounts. And then I'm like, and then what? Well, what they're doing is the same old crapola they've always done. Spam cannoning them, having the SDRs set meetings. They're doing traditional old school demand gen to a set of target accounts and saying, yeah, we're doing ABM. So. Makes sense. And I think the, you know, the, this whole concept of account based has, an, it's not a new, new thing at all, right? In the past two people were doing account based, uh, you have a named account, you were calling into those accounts, you're trying to book meetings with all those things. That isn't a new concept at all. Um, it's just, I believe right. the, 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 the marketing team and, and salespeople working together 
uh, to make sure that we're marketing marketing to and selling to those companies. So you are like you just defined it. The revenue is, is coming out of those efforts uh, as opposed to just some fancy term um, that you can get excited about. Yep. So obviously, you know, some of the things you've uh, you, from your organization of, you know, from your experience of building sales teams, right? Uh, you've probably have worked with a lot of organizations that are extremely large. You know, they have multiple you know, SDRs and fairly large organizations, but not every organization has the luxury of building a big sales organization, giving that uh, career path for uh, the, the SDRs and AEs to become maybe, you know, the, the managers and VPs and probably the CRO. In smaller organization, how can smaller organization take advantage of that intimacy to, to really empower the sales team and also to, to create a culture where they're, they're not forced to just get out because they can't grow further in that organization? Well, they are going to be forced to just get out if they can't grow in that organization. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the reality of it. When you hit a brick wall, you hit the brick wall, right? Mm -hmm. I think there are ways you can get people to stay longer, um, creating a learning culture. You know, people don't just want to move. They really want to add skills to their resume. So, you know, building a learning culture definitely keeps people in their seats longer. Thinking about career pathing outside of the sales silo mm -hmm. is definitely an advantage. Like we always say SDR to AE. Well, how about SDR to market? Mm -hmm. How about SDR to customer success? How about SDR to account management? How about SDR to finance? How about SDR to tech support? I don't know. Mm -hmm. We need, if we have great talent in our organization, we need to think outside of the sales silo and give them other opportunities so that they will stay. Yeah, and I had Dan Deldehan uh, on my show prior a while back, and he was started as sales sales leader and became the CEO, um, but obviously he put his time into it. Um, so I think yep. you know, I mean, it, the opportunity is there. It's just a matter of you you as a salesperson, ex, you know, displaying those skill set and obviously wanting to to succeed in that same company. Um, exactly. I, I do have some rapid fire questions, obviously. I want to know a little bit about the mindset, right? I mean, you're an entrepreneur. You're also um, um, you know, training other sales leaders. Talk to me a little bit about the whole concept of mindset. I got nothing. <laughs> Be positive. I don't know. I don't really think about mindset. Mm -hmm. I have to be honest with you. Um, I'm not a touchy-feely person. So, you know, I'm, I'm a highly optimistic person. I'm a highly energized person. I never really, I don't let negative touch me. That's the only thing I have going with mindset. Sorry. Yeah. And I think especially your question. Yeah, especially in the, in the sales field. I mean, the, the negativity can really affect your performance as well. Okay. Yep, can't yeah. let negative touch you. And especially if you're getting, you know, you're always going to get rejection. People are not going to always accept what you have to say, and you got to keep overcoming yeah. that. That's, but it's not rejection now, is it? It's just a different kind of conversation. That is true. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting your premise. Mm -hmm. Different way to think about it. That is true, because if you, you have to reframe your whatever right. you're offering or positioning to make sure that it makes sense to them. And exactly. as opposed to just taking their immediate no. Uh, personal development, I think you touched on the whole pack, the, uh, the fact that you are a constant learner. Um, are there anything else that you would add to the whole personal development aspect of it? Um, I mean, I think there's so many great books out there. There are so many great sales communities you can participate in. 
there's especially now there's so much online learning that can be done i think those are all things that we should be taking advantage of leadership versus management i know we're entrepreneurs we're always leaders we also as sales um, leaders we also have to be managers which one do you typically kind of fall into which mode oh definitely leader i'm a horrible manager horrible i don't i actually don't manage any people here at my own firm that's how bad i am i'm not allowed to hire i'm not allowed to manage you got to know your strengths and weaknesses yeah and i'm constantly hearing that from sales leaders <laughs> and even uh some of the entrepreneurs that i talk to they just acknowledge that there there's a weakness when it comes to managing people oh got to admit it not everybody's uh, cut off for that so any pr any productivity hacks do you have any productivity hacks in terms of what what you do to to get get stuff done uh i calendar everything mm -hmm. so i calendar my selling time i calendar my writing time i calendar my social time i calendar everything and i live and breathe by my calendar that's what works for me different strokes for different folks that's what works for me yeah, in the book too, I think you talk about the time blocking idea uh, in terms of yeah. prospecting. Uh, so knowing what you know today, what would you, how would you do uh, things differently? Uh, in terms oh, of okay, <laughs> let me tell you. I would definitely have come up with a product, not a service. Oh, being a product company is so much easier than being a service company. To this day, I still like, what product can I come up with? But yeah, too late now. Um, a services business is hard. I probably wouldn't have headed down that path. Would have tr or maybe I would have been a services business supported by a product. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's looking in the rearview mirror, and I don't do it that often. Yeah, the grass is always greener on the other side, though. They have there their fair share of trouble, too. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. any, any parting wisdom for our audience? Be happy. <laughs> Stay safe. Be happy. That's it. Awesome. Well, Trisha, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for sparing your uh, time with me and uh, sharing some of your wisdom and knowledge. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. This episode of Coffee with Closers is brought to you by One IMS, a leading digital marketing agency helping businesses win new customers. To request a free marketing ROI audit, please visit oneims.com. If you enjoyed this video, please share it. To make sure you never miss an episode, please subscribe.